What's up, y'all? Kofi Kingston here, and I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks, depending on what that drink is, preferably non-alcoholic, you know? How's it going? Kofi, Warrior you, James? Soda. I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. Maple syrup. I will never have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. Welcome to the dive bar of the IWC. Welcome to Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one. Again, I'm at Ref Marsh. We're at WTR, the show. With me today, the other half of the legendary podcasting duo, the Ironox. Got Kevlar on the Rocks with an X. What's with up, Kevlar? Oh, you can't give me the douche. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, big quit. Yeah. What's going on, man? How you doing? How you been? It's been uh, like a week. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It like a long week. Yeah, it does. It did feel like a really long week. And then all the day yesterday, I was all like, oh, thank God it's Friday, man. I'm done with everything. And then I realized it wasn't. <laughs> and I was like, I got a whole week ahead of me. Yeah. But, you know. It sucks. Uh, let's do something simple, dude. What's in your glass? Um, that was the water. And, ah, my finger got stuck. Uh, now I am switching over to the big wave from Kona. Kona? Maui? Very good. I'm having a little callback. A little Capacana. That's the wine that, um, Carmela sells and, uh, runs the operations of, and... Yeah, if you go to uh, at Capacana on Instagram or Twitter or www.capacana.com, you can pick up some yourself. Uh, it's really good stuff. Just having some of the red. We had some lying around, and I realized I drank most everything else. It's been that kind of a week. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm having. Bottles got it Wednesday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really good, though. It's really good. Uh the only thing I have for news, if you want to get into it, is uh, the PWI 500 came out today. And up on top, number one, because we, the ones, you got yourself a Roman Reigns. I got my blood bloodline. We, the ones, foam up right now. Is there any doubt? Was there any doubt? He's the ones. We, the ones. Of course, he's number one. It's because they have a ton of pictures of him holding up a number one. They had to do it. Yeah, they're back to a corner. They're like, look, every single picture we have of him, he's holding up a one. Be like, I don't know what to do. If we make him a three or something, it's going to be really weird. Unless they made him like a... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's all got his fist up with one, and then there's like two more coming off in between the thumb and there. And like, Does he have seven fingers? <laughs> Absolutely. Justin Time's coming through. Uh, cheers to the Ironics. Cheers to Justin. Uh, Years. To, to me, the big notable part about Roman being number one is I saw people. Uh, people were complaining about the people who were celebrating. We talk about it every year. That it doesn't mean a ton. It's just always neat to see who they think is going to sell the most magazines. For the first time in a number of years, they have a WWE guy trying to sell a magazine instead of the AEW guys. Where are they upset that people are celebrating? 
Oh, because they, they say that only if you're a shill or a WWE sycophant, I saw someone call someone, uh, would you agree with the idea that Roman could be number one? <clears throat> People are stupid. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's... Let, yeah, like, even if we hung our hats on that and we wanted it so bad, like, we waited for the release party and they came out and we celebrated, like, that's what we fucking are looking forward to and enjoying. Let us let us have it. Yeah. Let anyone have it. Like, I mean, no one bad an eye when Kenny Omega won it seventeen years in a row. Yeah, or two. Yeah. Whatever it was. <laughs> but you know, it's like it's like all right, whatever. Yeah, and that's just it. Is it made me think that um, not that like the tides are shifting or anything like that. It's just interesting because mm-hmm. ever since AEW came around. The magazine's been very heavy on AEW stuff. So is the newsletter, uh, Dave Meltzer, and all that stuff. Because that's who their fan base is interested in. Like, these people aren't dumb. They're not yeah. They're not going to cater towards something that they don't think is going to sell. And these yeah. guys have been selling to the non-WWE audience primarily for the majority of their existence. So for them to be saying that number one is the WWE guy... That means that's who they think is going to sell the most magazines, which is just notable because it thinks, makes me think yeah. that they believe that their fan base is coming around on Roman, you know? Yeah. They're in it to make money. Yes. I mean, if, you know, Vegan Life took out a full-page ad in a hunting magazine, it'd be like, you just wasted your money. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, they're gearing it to their audience. Like, yeah. And, and it's fine to disagree. You can disagree, but don't then sit there and take it personal and be like, oh, you're a shill of the WWE and, uh, you know, who cares? And say, hey, I thought this guy should have deserved it. And that's, that's fine. That's what we do is we talk about it. We have an argument about it. And at the end of the day, we're right and you're wrong. Yeah, we're always right. That's the thing that people need <laughs> yeah. to remember and they need to focus on. You know, whatever you're thinking, you're wrong if you're disagreeing with us. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it almost every every year since episode one. Uh a lot of times we don't agree with it, but we go, yeah, but they're probably right. That's probably the guy that's going to sell the most, you know? I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if next year, if you see, like, Mox on the cover again, you know? It wouldn't shock me at all because he's really – I have a feeling Mox or MJF, I think, this year – and I know this is more of a talk for tomorrow, but I think this year that we're in the middle of and that we're going to get through, I think those two dudes are going to step up and carry AEW more than anybody but else I- has. They have to. Well, for one, they have to, but I think that they're going to. I think they're going to deliver on that in a mm-hmm. big way. I really think those two dudes are going to deliver the most. I think that Brian Danielson and Jericho are going to play big roles in AEW for the rest of the year as well. But I think that mm-hmm. MGF and Mox are going to be the two walking away with like the most out. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like coming out the 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 best on the other side. So I wouldn't be surprised if those one of those two dudes wasn't uh, number one next year. You know. Regardless mm-hmm. of anything that happens in AEW, like as much as I could say, hey, Cody's going to come back and he's going to do crazy cool stuff, I think this next one's going to be another AEW issue, and I think it's going to be MJF or Mox, and I may not agree with it at that time, but it's completely understandable. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, if you don't well, understand how Roman's number one, like that's crazy to me. Like, you don't get the argument, well, like it... whether you agree with it, like <laughs> exactly, like you know, because you just mentioned, you know. Mox and Daniel Bryan. He'll always be Daniel Bryan. Hell yeah. But, I call him Daniel uh, Bryan. 
<laughs> yeah. Daniel Danielson. Yeah. But um, you just talked about them carrying the company. And they'll deserve, deservingly so, be number one if they carry the company for AEW. Roman's been doing that for WWE for the yeah. past you know, two plus years. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to give him recognition that, hey, you've been carrying the company, you know, this and that, that's fine. And randomly, I was going to ask you, brought up Cody. Uh, what did, where did he finish on this list? Oh, he was. Um, I, mean, I didn't even. I don't have it up right now. He was. Uh, he oh. was. He was in the top ten. Let me see. I bet if I go just to WW or if I just go to my timeline, it'll be like another one of those ones right up top. So let me scroll for a second. Because um, I'm just curious to somebody because you know have somebody that was like legitimately in both companies and like mm-hmm. on the you know a big factor in both companies. Yes, I agree. Let me see. Dude, it was funny. Earlier when I was scrolling through, it was just like person right after person after person being, here's top 10, here's top 10, here's top 10. And now that I'm scrolling through, like nobody's saying it, but it's probably because I scrolled through all those ones so fast. Mm-hmm. Here, let me go find. Oh, here we Let me do this. Let me go here. Let's pull out your Googler. Let me go. Yep, yep. All right, here we go. Number one was Roman Reigns. Number two was, I believe it's Okada. Three was CM Punk. Four, Hangman Page. Uh, five, Bobby Lashley. Six, Cody okay. Rhodes. Seven, Daniel Bryanson. Eight, I don't recognize. Nine is Big E. And ten was Jonathan Grisham. Hmm. I'm sure I can find the it written out a little bit better, but... Matt Cardona was number 13, which is cool for him, man. You know? Especially since he wasn't on, like, the big boy brands. Exactly. He was not anywhere near any of the big brands, and he still made mm-hmm. number 13 just from being that big of a of a deal around everything. Like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, Nick Wayne was 212. That's cool. I'm trying to see if I could have it written out because I just I was looking at the photos. Yeah, 212. Nick Wayne's like 16, dude. Like to be in the top 500 and already break half of them. And oh yeah, 500. I thought it was. I was for whatever reason I was thinking the top 50. Oh. Then for you there and say, oh, he's 212. I was like, he's nowhere near that list. Yeah. But for the top 500, yeah, <laughs> got it. Yeah. Oh, no, that is something. Do they have like a Mister Irrelevant? Like whoever's 500. Uh, number Not 500 was Mr. Dustin Wilson, okay. I think, unless this is a fake one, but that looks real. Not bad for a funny song and dance man, Big Dust. Yeah, that's him. Dustin Wilson was number 500. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> but he's number 500, man. That's fine. There's yeah. a lot of people who well, are I'm just complaining saying about – oh, wait. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say because in the NFL draft, whoever is the last pick in, I think, there's seven rounds. Like the very last pick is like you know whatever they always call him Mr. Irrelevant, and that's, that's like really a funny. title that you get. So I don't know if they had like a similar thing for him, for number five hundred. It's possible. Uh, number twenty was Drew McInfart. So Matt Cardona mm. had a better year than Drew McInfart. That's interesting. Not out of the realm. And it is not as easy to find someone just write, written it out as I was hoping it would be just by scrolling. So I'm going to actually have to Google it. Let's see. PWI. 
Oh my god. Marines and others. Let's see. Wrestling Inc. is where I'm going for all my news. That's the spot. This is a mess of a way to read. Okay. I'm backing out of Wrestling Inc. Full list. Here we go. All right. Roman Reigns, Okada, CM Punk, Adam Page, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, Cody Rhodes is number six. Um, Daniel Bryanson was number seven. Uh, El Hijo Del was the number eight that I didn't recognize. I believe he's from NJPW. <laughs> then you had Biggie, Jonathan Gresham, uh, Shingo. John Moxie was number 12. 13, Matt Cardona. 14, Josh Alexander. 15, Tanahashi. 16, MJF. 17, Seth Rollins. Then Adam Cole. Kenny Omega is number 19. Drew McInfart, Moose, Jericho, JY, Alex. Uh, Braun Breaker was 26. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice. I mean, it's a huge shuffling. Like, this isn't – it It doesn't look like they straight up just said, here's our favorite 10 from AEW, and then the bottom 10 are going to be WWE. Like, this is a shuffling of all the different companies, which is pretty cool to see. Um, I don't know how many people have a hand in it anymore. I know that um, originally John Arezzi's co-host, Bob, was the guy who came up with the list and did a bunch of stuff with it, and he was one of the big the big guys on it. But it's more of like a committee, I think. Uh, Suzuki was 44. Yeah. That's cool, man. It's cool to see. That's the other thing. So what I was going to say before is that there's um, – I mean, it's cool, but it also doesn't mean a lot. Like, Sammy's 84. Come on, Sammy Zayn. Yeah, I'm on the list. He should have been honorary. He should have been honorable mention. <laughs> yes, honor, honorary number one. Moose. You know what I mean? When Roman wins, we all win. You know, when Roman eats, we're all eating. Like that was Sammy's just as much number one as anyone else on that list, from based off what I can tell. Uh, Greenper says, "Hi, yo." <laughs> so a lot of people were complaining that the, that the women and the men are on people different always lists. Fucking oh yeah. Well, Justin says PW500 is just another way to rile up the IWC. 100%. Because nobody there wants to have the conversation. They just want to be right without the conversation. We like to always be right with the conversation. That's what sets yeah. us apart. That and pointless and, aggression. Go ahead. And we got a bottle of old crow, so make us drink our crow. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, please don't make us do this disgusting. Yeah, I really don't want to. Uh, <laughs> good motivation to stay right. <laughs> What do you, so a lot of people are complaining that the women and the men are in two different lists, right? And the people who make the list were defending it, saying that they just women just don't get equal time to the men. So if we did them on the same list, you'd see less women on the list, especially the indie talent. And I see a lot of people saying like, oh, and they say they support women's wrestling. That's clearly a sign they don't. I really – there's also less women in any given company. Like just look at the yeah. WWE roster to start with. NXT, AEW, WWE, all of them, a fourth of the roster is women at tops. Yeah. So if you had to have a top 500 wrestlers and the women were included in there, you're probably not even getting a full 100 women on that list to begin with. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Because do they actually do a full 500? Because I thought Mm -hmm. the list was shorter. Uh, For the women, is it shorter? I thought so. I thought it was still 500 just to get the names out there. Because to me, that was the idea. Let me see. PWI 500 wins. Uh, let me see. I'll look up last year's. Oh. Uh-oh. I think you're right. 150. 150. 
women's hundred list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe if they did top five hundred, you'd have literally every woman on the list. <laughs> yeah. So I guess yeah. I guess, see, yeah, I guess they have one hundred and fifty. Yeah. And see, and I I think what they should do is they should, you know, separate them, and then even make just like a top five hundred or top fifty of men and women. Hey, this is the that's overall. Not you know, just one list with all the talents on there. Wait, no, here, no, it's 500 because I'm looking over here. 2021, this person, uh, Devine was 324. Ashley Vox was 318. Yeah. Jessica Troy was 411. So, yeah, they get 500 on their list, too. Like, they're, um, it looks like their first ever women's 150 was a while back. I think they started at 150, and then, I don't know, maybe they only published 150, and their website's 500, PW500. I don't know. I don't know. They have them. 441 Billy Starks. How's how's she going to get 441 if they don't have 500? You know what I mean? She can just put the moniker herself. Yeah, she just said it. Just kidding. But yeah, like, I think they could do a top, you know, maybe even top 50. Hey, this is, you know, overall who we think's on there. Just have fun with it, but at the same time, when I looked general. at the cover for when Bailey and Sasha were on the cover, when Bailey was one and Sasha was number five, it was our annual women's 100. Mm-hmm. Annual women's 100. So I guess the, and then, yeah, in 2021, they made it to 150. I wonder if the magazine only carries 150 and then their website goes deeper. Because that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. But unless the women I'm seeing, oh, that could be. The PWI 500 could be from the women in Impact. I think that's what I'm seeing because, like, Jordan Grace is there. Because women from Impact are allowed to be on the the 500 because they're allowed to contend for heavyweight championships. And that was one of their ways of creating lists to begin with, people who were eligible to compete for the for that. So I wonder oh. if those are just the women who, are, who have competed for Impact. But I can go for any title and they're they just made the men's list i guess which i mean i guess ideally yeah you'd like them all to have the same list but at the same time um uh uh, i think that the idea of having two separate lists ensure that you get more eyes because that's what the whole point of this whole thing is right to bring eyes to talent like to get people to say oh look at who's this juicy fanu guy who's this hammerstone guy they say is dominating the point isn't to isolate, it's to highlight. So if you have an yeah. extra 50, 60, 70 women on a list somewhere in a magazine, that's a good thing, I would think. Well, that and they're in it to make money. Well, there's that too. And if you get two magazines out of it, then you get two yeah. you know, more people buying it. That's a good point. I was, more, did, I was more inclined to buy it. Bailey on the cover than I was to buy one with Mox on the cover. Not that I have a thing against Mox, yeah. but, you know. But you're a Bailey show. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Notable Bailey show. And then the other thing is, if they do do a top fifty or top hundred, like of the year combined, then they sell three magazines. Yeah, they could do a third one. That'd be good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's cool. We the ones. Roman wins again because Roman always wins. He'd be staying undefeated. Stacking those magazines. 
Oh yeah, he smashes and stacks those magazines. He gets them <laughs> sticky and icky, you know. Ooh wee. Yep. Like a playboy in a middle school locker. Yep. Yep. That's how he does it. That's the weed of ones. Yeah. So I don't know. Pretty cool for him, but uh, yeah, I think that I think it's always funny when it drops to watch the internet burn. Oh, how could it not be my fave? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite right now is Kevin Owens. I wasn't surprised he wasn't number one, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, you know? Right. Yeah. KO how could this be? Uh, We're right, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, did you want to um, talk some of the shows and stuff? or? Uh, yeah, I thought we were going to do a little, quick little tears on our beer for the queen. For the queen? Dude, what did the queen, queen ever have to do with WWE? Let me look it up. Hey, she allowed that to go to her country. <laughs> well, she did allow it to go to her country. That's true. I looked up Queen Elizabeth WWE. It's not what I should have WWE. <laughs> I got oh, a lot of links about Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we can What's do my... for the queen. Yeah, I mean, just a quick one. Cheers. Well, when you do it, you yeah. have to have your pinky up. Of course, it's tea time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was like, what, 96, dude? That's crazy. Yeah, I know. And uh, WWE did, even did a little thing for her. Yeah, I mean, she was in, like, on the throne for 70 years. Yeah, that was a long time. But also, didn't the WWE lose the WWF because of the lawsuit that went through the UK? Maybe. Yeah, that's why I say the queen can get the F out. I'm done with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I did see, I did, I think I sent it to you. A random funny meme, like right after she died. It showed Prince Charles running somewhere with the money in the bank briefcase. Yeah, yeah that was pretty I good. I was like, ooh, ooh. It's yeah. not even cold yet, guys. Come on. I know. But also, like, she's 96. He, there's no way he's gonna live till he's 96. Anyway. Well, the other thing that I didn't realize, maybe just because I'm an uncultured, uncultured swine, but <laughs> that's how I usually refer to you. Yeah. Fuck. Um, I didn't realize her husband, was it Prince Philip, just died a few months ago. Yeah. He was in his 90s too. Yeah. So by all accounts, Prince Charles is gonna live until he's 180. I mean, he's That's not how Vince genetics McMahon. Work, right? <laughs> yeah, Vince McMahon's gonna be only the only two hundred year old out there, I think, by my account. You know what I want to yeah, see too? As a total side note, that's just total bullshit. I want Pat McAfee to get Vince back on the show now that he's been retired for a bit, and just be like, "So what's up, man? Like, <laughs> you, you got a grill or what are you doing? Like, you have a new seasoning or anything? Like, what are you doing?" Yeah. Like, I think right now is the best time to interview Vince and ask him absolutely zero wrestling questions. I'm more fascinated about what he has, what he's doing. In his day-to-day? Yeah, in his day-to-day bubble without the WWE as a factor than anything else he's ever done in his life. Yeah. You know, the only thing that does scare me about it Hmm. is... uh, I remember uh, when Joe Paterno got fired from Penn State, you know, he was old and stuff like that and i told my brother i was like i was like damn i was like you know he spent 
you know, so many years there. Like, that was his life. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he dies soon. Mm-hmm. My brother was like, that's fucked up. Like, why would you say that? I was like, because when somebody's whole life is geared towards one thing and then all of a sudden they don't have it. Yeah, and it's taken away. You know, where are they at? Yeah. And that's what kind of scares me with Vince. I'm just like, you know, he's been WWE for, what, 40 plus years? Like daily, every day on the grind and stuff, and now it's like, go home. Yeah, you're done here. Died of a broken heart. Yep. Yeah. 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 I agree, but yeah, I think right now is the time for someone to try and interview Vince because for the first time, also, you don't have to go through WWE public relations to get the interview anymore. Probably just gonna ring him up. Yo, Vinny, Mm -hmm. Vinny Mac, what do you do? What what what's going on? You know what I mean? Yeah, I just wonder what happened to the T Rex. If he took it home, dude, he had to have taken it home. Like, there's no way you would lose that, right? Also, you know what? I really want someone to ask him: which does he prefer, the Brock Lesnar meat seasoning or the Jim Ross meat seasoning? Because they both have their own dry rub. And now that he's not obligated to one or the other to be, he, he can be completely unbiased in his judgment of who's got the best sauce and dry rub. That's true. And we can ask him which type, which grilling methods he used for each one. Like, I think now is the time to hit up Vince. That's all I'm saying. You know what Vince needs to be doing right now? Hmm. Like, actually curating the uh, WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I but, thought you were going to say, like, uh, um, making a badass uh, Apple Music playlist or something. Yeah. yeah. What's his workout playlist actually like? People got to know. Yeah. Uh, Greenberg does say Roman's going to be number one until he loses the titles. I'd be all right with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about some stuff that happened on SmackDown. You cool with that? Yeah, I guess so. Over here. Right. Uh, let's see. I don't have it, like moment by moment on here and i don't want to go and miss too much stuff so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump around a little bit but we did have imperium versus the brawling brutes gunther ludwig and giovanni vinci against seamus butch and ridge holland uh imperium one which is pretty sick what do you think about this i don't know how much imperium you actually got to see in nxt i saw quite a bit so i was just wondering if they were going to bring back wolf but then brawling brutes and somebody back or somebody. What? Even the odds. Well, Alexander Wolf was in Imperium. No, he wasn't. He was in Sanity. Oh, was wait, in you're Imperium. right. He was Imperium for a bit. Oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. That was a weird time, man. That was a real weird time. <laughs> anyways. I don't know. It seems like they're gearing towards Survivor Series with, you know, adding members and stuff like that. And then, obviously, that was all, I don't want to say thrown out, but with the four-man tag that they had later. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it was a good match. I liked it. Yeah, it was really good. I was really into it. I liked the crowd responding every time Sheamus and and Gunther were in the ring together. Dude, Mm -hmm. that crowd is like, Sheamus is getting his flowers right now, which he crazy deserves we've talked about it over and over and over again he's incredible he's top 10 all-timer 
and no one gives him that credit or that acknowledgement. And every time he comes in, I've even seen people in some of my group chats be like, oh, here's boring Seamus again. And I'm like, shut up. You are, you're out of your mind. The Seamus and Gunther yeah. match, as much as I don't care about the the Meltzer ratings, he did give that one a five-star, which I thought was interesting because I don't think he – he doesn't hand out five-star matches to WWE very often. But even that one, he could not yeah. deny that that match was awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought this was great, dude. Awesome. Uh, Raquel and Adelia uh, defeating Toxic Attraction. Happened. Um. Yeah. I just – I can't get behind Aaliyah and Raquel. Like, I think I'm not the only one that yeah. feels that way. Yeah. Because they don't look like they don't look or feel like a team. Or like fighters. Like yeah. Something's super not clicking. There's a number of things super not clicking. I don't like as like so. Aaliyah seems like she's having a good time, and I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh. And. Yeah. It looks like she's living her dream, and I think that's fantastic. There's mm. still stuff that's missing, and I think that her nerves are still a factor. I think both of them are sort of missing a deeper character than just here to have a good time. Mm-hmm. I don't like that Aaliyah comes out. Well, here's the other deal. Like, It's funny because Raquel comes out and flexes her back. Aaliyah comes out and basically bends over into the camera and then spanks Raquel. And it's mm. almost like... Raquel's like, look at my muscles. And Leah's like, what are we doing? Showing our butts? Woo, butts. And you're all like, uh, it's not what we were doing, but it is now, I guess. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm not saying that they don't have anything to show off. I'm saying like it seems kind of weirdly placed. No, it doesn't. You know? Because to me, it seems like we, like, like almost like sorority girls, like trying to get attention. Yeah, and I feel hey, like that... look at us, look at us, and oh look, I'm smacking your butt. Like outside of them kissing, like yeah, just to, you know, hey, like I said, look at us. And I feel like that even draws away from the idea of them having character too. That even almost makes it seem like another hurdle to get over, and not something it's adding to. Mm. You know what I mean? Because the one thing you really that's tough to do at this point in mm. WWE is to quote be the pretty ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the. The closest we have to that in a functional ma- method is Toxic Attraction, who was their their opponents, and Mandy Rose. But they're also like, we're so hot that the women, and they're doing the stable thing. Men want to want to be with me, women want to be me, right? But Toxic Attraction does it in like a heelish way. Aaliyah's doing it in like a baby face way, which is really weird. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's a tough thing to do, and I don't think that they're latching onto a character that's easy to like latch onto. So it does seem like it's been weird. They've been, like their chemistry it, in the ring's been been weird. So, but they beat Toxic here, and I don't know more than anything. My takeaway was: is Toxic Attraction coming to the main roster? Because I'm ready for that. Yeah. One of the thing is too with Aaliyah and Raquel is Raquel just looks like she's beating up everyone the whole time, yeah. including Aaliyah. Like even their tandem moves is just Raquel picking up Aaliyah and throwing her. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> They make Leah, you know, look so weak for the last couple weeks that, you know, when you were talking about them being badasses, like Toxic Attraction, Mandy Rose, like, they backed it up. Leah yes. does it. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, this whole episode felt like a weird one for the women because we also had Ronda Rousey winning that uh, an elimination match that had Sonya, Lacey, Zayla, and Natalya in it. And this match was like, it felt super rushed, which means that everyone had to like lay down real early. And it ended up being Ronda and Sonya at the end, which felt really self-serving without anyone looking great. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see because I think that the idea of Sonya being an MMA fighter... Yes, she did train for that. And yes, I believe she had a couple professional bouts, never on the UFC level ever, and never even on the Bellator level ever. I do think that the idea that she is a legit MMA fighter feels more like a gimmick than reality at this point. We've come too far away from it. It is reality, but I don't feel like we've rooted much of her identity in that uh, at this point. Zia Lee has a legit uh, martial arts background. I think this would have been a cool time to push Zia Lee and Ronda and have them really striking and have people go, oh, Zia Lee is a real contender here. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like we're pushing Sonya and I feel like I don't understand while I'm watching why. Like she's not bad, but she's not, why is she number one contender for every title, every show? What's going on? You know what I mean? She loses a lot. She doesn't come off as clean as the others. She doesn't have the pedigree as the others. And yet she's somehow a number one contender here and on SmackDown. Yeah. Well, she just answered the – you said here and SmackDown. Here and Raw. But she just answered the open challenge on Raw. I know, but still. Apparently she's the only smart one to step up. <laughs> well, it's, And it's also bizarre from just from a logic standpoint when it comes to Raw. You do an open challenge – and someone from and SmackDown, SmackDown happens to be there. Yeah. yeah. No one from Raw was available. <laughs> like, yeah. Why was Sonya there to begin with? Is she always there uh, when she's a SmackDown talent and not, you know what I mean? Like, it's really weird. Yeah. See, and I was just, because I, I was wondering the same thing about Sonya. Like, why are they pushing her so much? What's going on? And then I was thinking, maybe, especially with Toxic Attraction being there, maybe this is the time when you bring Mandy back. Yes. You know, they they have, you know, her and Sonya have history. And before Sonya left, weren't they feuding? Isn't it hair versus hair match or something like that? Yeah. It was going to happen. And then Sonya got robbed. Yeah. And then they turned it into a no holds barred loser leaves town match. Yeah. Loser came back to town. I think think it'd be a good time. Like, because Justin says in the in the chat, no idea what they're doing in Toxic. They're just showing up everywhere with zero purpose, and that's what I wonder. Is I wonder if they're trying to find the best place in usage. I, I agree with you. They're using Sonya a bunch. It makes me feel like Mandy's a shoe in to come back, especially with Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. I think now would be a good time to bring Mandy to the main roster with the NXT title. Uh, to fast forward for tomorrow, Solo Sokoa just won the NXT North American Championship on 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 NXT. So now he's going to be on the on SmackDown with an NXT title. I think they're starting starting to blur the lines a little bit, the blur the separation, not make it necessarily the third brand, but maybe something more like um at least something in an equal universe. You no longer have to have like AJ go down to NXT and just disappear from Raw for a few months, come back like nothing happened and never talk about it. Maybe we yeah. have a little bit more of a blurred line. Maybe you could have Mandy show up with on SmackDown and Raw with Toxic Attraction with the NXT title, and then one day she doesn't have it, and then that's part of the story. What happened to your title? I don't want to talk about it. 
because you lost it in NXT to this person who's a badass. And like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can do stuff with it. Justin says, Sonya's lost her appeal and it sucks because she was red hot and then all the stalker stuff happened and she was gone. And when WWE didn't try to get that back when she returned, I feel like they've done a lot to try and get it back. And I feel like it's not landed. Yeah. They've definitely like, tried. Yeah. And I feel like this is part of that. But yeah, it's weird. I really felt like Zia Lee deserved a lot more and still does deserve a lot more than what she got in that match. Same with Natalia. She tapped out immediately. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that sucks about that match was that, you know, for it to be a fatal five way, they showed everyone's interest. Yes. You know, normally on air, they only show one, maybe two, and they showed everyone's. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, they're going to put something into this. And the match was almost as long as everyone just walking out to the ring. Yeah. You know, cut that out and spend another five, ten minutes, however long it took, to get, you know, or, you know, just in the match. Because everyone knew it was going to be me. I mean, uh, Ronda versus Liv. Yes. You know, they, it's weird because the whole tap out thing happened and we talked about it and then you know, it was one of those, hey, we shouldn't talk about this. And then that's the first thing that they bring up. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to do that, Mandy, I mean, having it live, looks like a heel, like sitting in a press box by herself or VIP box. And, you know, just sitting there, you know, drinking whatever she was drinking on, holding the title. And I think you put her on commentary because 99% of the time you, you have the faces on commentary or or just the champion on commentary during this. And you have her saying, you know, who do you want to face in this? And it'd be cool if Liv was, like, rooting for Ronda. Like, hey, I wanted her. We had, you know, I want to prove myself against her. Yeah, she was my toughest challenge, and now she's the biggest thorn on my side. People don't think I'm a legitimate champion because of how things went last time. Yeah. I want my chance to make that right, but I want her to earn it. I want her to deserve yeah. it. I don't want to just give it to her. You know what I mean? And then you kind of, yeah, play the line a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, outside of that, like, like I said, you know, there's already, Ronda's a badass. Always looks like a badass. So she doesn't need to prove in this match that she's a badass. Mm-hmm. You know, because she eliminated, what, three out of the four I think so. Yeah. Sonya doing being the other one with a double tap out for whatever reason. Yes. And you know, I think you don't make it an elimination match and you just have a fatal five way. Cuz you make every other competitor in that match look like shit with a fatal five way elimination match that took 10 if that. Yeah. I think even a, a gauntlet would have been better. Do it one at a time. So you're just kind of getting rid of people one at a time and oh through all of this and maybe one of maybe the the Lee match is much tougher than they expected it to be and you know what i mean like mm-hmm. but to do it all kind of at once overlapping is like yeah it was rushed and kind of a bummer because then also when it gets down to ronda and sonya you don't buy it because like i said like yeah sonya has an mma history but it's so small and so little and so rarely even talked about or highlighted in any way that by the time it happens you go oh they're doing this for themselves like yeah, Sonya's not winning this. Yeah, they have the the stare down, and Sonya starts putting her hair up. Corey yells, you know, 
put your hair up and square up and then and then it's over and even just to say that they're both mma so therefore they're on equal footing no yeah. they're really not yeah. you know what i mean like I can run around my neighborhood all the time and be in win one one race here in the in locally. That doesn't mean I'm Olympic level. I'm a national champion level. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. You went through the training, so yeah, you guys feel like a brotherhood or a sisterhood or whatever. You feel a kinship there, but Ronda Rousey against someone else who never quite made it to that level is not as compelling at face value you can make it compelling for sure but it's not compelling by default no yeah you know well, it's I mean? like you know local guys saying oh they do they're on same par with the undertaker yeah no they're you know they're doing the same thing but there's a big difference there yeah yeah there's a difference so yeah i think it'd have been a good time to put over Zaylee a bit better but hopefully we see more from her she's the one you yeah. felt the worst for in this one. Uh, we did get yeah. the teasing backstage of Rhonda and Shayna. They may team up down the line, which could be cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Street Profits and Hit Row against Los Lotharios and the Maximum Male Models. The Survivor Series match. Uh, you know what I thought was funny is I was like, oh, you can make the Survivor Series match if you just throw the women in there. You know, put, mm-hmm. put Maxine and uh, BFAB in there. But then I immediately realized that as soon as one of the women was eliminated, well, the match would be over. Because yeah. they don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it'd be funny to see them, like, start the match and, like, let's say BFAB beats Maxine. And then they all look at each other and, like, well, I guess they win. Like, I can't, yeah. we can't eliminate BFAB now. Like, <laughs> uh, I think the biggest takeaway here. Which, for one, I thought was really cool that uh, the Maximum Male models uh, specifically wrestle their gimmick. They don't wrestle the same style they wrestled other ways. They're trying to wrestle like they think a model would wrestle, and I think that's really fun to watch. Because Mm -hmm. that's something I've heard uh, some of the old school guys talk about, that it's not like... If I was was a wrestler and I happened to be, let's say, a dentist for argument's sake it would be me dressed up as a dentist wrestling the way I wrestle. You know, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. How would a dentist wrestle? What moves might a dentist do that a different profession might not do? You know what I mean? Like they're trying to do stuff that they think a model would do. And I think it's funny. I think it's cool. I think it's clever. I don't think it's going to last forever. And I don't think it's going to be my favorite gimmick of all time, but in the moment, you don't want it to last forever either. I do not. But in the moment, I think it's very cool that they're trying that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the biggest takeaway wasn't even on their show. It was on the digital exclusive. Um, Max uh, Max Dupree was backstage. He tells the guys, oh, to, you have to go through the day to get to the... And then he pauses and says, night. And then he smiles and goes, yeah, and walks out. So nice. a tease that we may be getting LA Knight's return, which would be fantastic. Nice. He's one of those ones that's so incredible that just because we've seen so much he's done outside of WWE that every time we watch him not doing what we know he's capable of doing, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. He, he feels more than most like he's straight jacketed. So the idea that we could potentially see him actually just like do go out there and be you and let's see what you can do. I feel like his potential is so 
bottomless. Like I feel like bottomless. I don't know. It was like, is that not a lot of potential? What do you, I don't want to say limitless. That's 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 Keith Lee's thing. You say the sky's the limit or whatever. Sky's the limit. Like, yeah, I say it's bottomless. It's like, was it potential's up, not down? But I mean, unless you're doing like I mean, you gotta go down to go up, right? Yeah, but not bottomless. I mean, you keep it going down. Yeah, you go down forever and you're on top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the, the his potential is crazy. First time I ever saw him wrestle live in person, I was all like, "Oh, this feels like I'm in the presence of like a big major star. Like this is crazy." And it was not mm-hmm. a big major star like place I was at. So it was like, "Oh my god, I feel like I'm watching like a Stone Cold." Not that I felt like he was, you know, Stone Cold, but like it felt like you're watching a fucking like someone to a marquee name yeah it felt marquee marquee. yeah and so uh yeah i just want to see him get the ability to do what he clearly can do uh Mm -hmm. let's see there's only two more things that happen on the show i think we really got to talk about unless there's anything you want to throw in there uh braun Strowman came out and beat the shit out of otis and gable Oh, real quick. Justin says, wish they would have just kept Mace and T-Bar together and just had them wreck the tag division. Hell, give them the tag titles as well. There's still time, dude. T-Bar could be a model. Yeah. T-Bar A. T-Bar A. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Braun beat the shit out of Otis and Chad Gable doing some sort of jackknife powerbomb type thing. Which we've said we need to bring back the power bombs. Yes. Yes. Uh, I really liked Otis's cell. The way he like popped Arched up. And back. Back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's cool yeah, to have Braun I mean, back. I think Braun's pretty awesome in a lot of ways, but I also really am not sure where. I mean, I guess he's just going towards Roman is what we're doing, right? But we have to destroy the tag division on the way up. Yeah, that's what they do. Like it, I, I don't get it. You know, he makes his return on Raw. Then they interview him and he says, you know, they're like, what are you doing back? You know, tune into SmackDown and you'll see. So, like, that's oh shit, point. something's going to happen. And then he just attacks Otis and Gable again. Yeah, and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, I'm coming. Yeah, I was like, Roman, Usos are next. So that's he yeah, I was like, so that's why you returned to the roster, Otis. That's one thing I will say too is like, it's it was weird because you see Otis, and he's a big guy, you know, mm-hmm. he's just a big dude. You see him next to Gabe all the time; and he looks big. Mm-hmm. And when he was next to Braun, like, or interacting with Braun, like, I actually looked at him like, damn, he's even bigger than I realized. Yes. Because he didn't look small next to Braun, and everyone looks small, small next to Braun. Yes. He's wide, dude. When I met him in person, he scared the shit out of me. He was being really nice <laughs> and friendly, but he came out from behind a curtain. I was doing a, uh, I was backstage at Raw, and he just like popped out and said, hey, because he was doing his Chris Farley bit with Heavy Machinery. It was him and Tucker. And Tucker was tall, but I remember just looking at Otis and being like, motherfucker is big. Like, he is wide. Like, 
I'm gonna talk about a human wrecking ball. It's because he walks in like a fucking ball of a human. It's crazy. He's a double wide. Yeah. He reminds me of a guy. I was in a in a boot camp once, and we had to do uh, push-ups a certain way. And the way you had to do it for it to count was you had to do what what they call breaking the plane, where you have to, your your back has to go just below your your elbows. And I was mm-hmm. uh, in there. We had a guy that we referred to as Tank because he was just like this big Samoan dude. And he showed that because they said that none of his push-ups counted. And when he was like, "Why?" They're like, "Well, because you're not breaking the plane. You're you're not going below. Your shoulder blades aren't going in." He he had to prove to them and some superiors that it was a physical impossibility. His chest was so big around that as he came up, before his elbows got behind his back, he was on the ground. Mm. And like he would just sit. He like did it like so. Look, he was doing like half a push-up, but then he like put his arms out flat and he didn't move. It was like, Oh, his chest is so big. He can't do a full push up anymore. Uh, Otis is the same kind of build where you're like, Oh, that yeah. probably couldn't do a normal push up. Yeah. He probably, he could probably bench press 600 pounds though. Yeah. But like I said, just seeing them side by side, it's like, damn, like, Bron doesn't look as big, and maybe that's the whole thing now. Monster of monsters, or whatever. Mm. Monster, monster. Yeah, and he's in great shape. Bron looks amazing. He looks yeah. Nice oh yeah. R.I.P. C.Y.N. Uh, all right. Let's talk main event. Drew McIntyre against Solo Sokoa. Earlier in the night, we had a promo with Solo with Sami Zayn and the Usos, which was just gold. I love the way Solo's looking at Sammy and giving him the little nod. Sammy's trying to put him over. This match, Drew versus Solo, I had high expectations because I know how good Solo is. I watched the match, and then a couple days later, you and I were talking about it, and I was like, why don't I remember any big power spots from Solo? Like, People were complaining that Solo looked kind of small next to Drew, and I was like, yeah, but he's a strong motherfucker. He can push that guy around. And I was like, I'm sure they would have done it. Why can't I remember any? So today I went back and rewatched the match. And that's when the disappointment set in. The match wasn't bad. But this match did not highlight Solo the way I think he deserved to be highlighted. This match was all Drew. This whole match was designed to make Drew look amazing. And everyone else look slimy and less than. And I feel like for Solo's entrance into the company, it wouldn't have hurt Drew to have solo throw him once or twice and have them yeah. just say, Oh my God, the power of this guy. And then have drew overcome that power. No problem. That's what we're doing. I get it. But solo didn't get any of that in. All he got in was some good strikes. That was it. He did. Yeah, and one, then he, he did one belly to belly. The rest was all strikes. And then he tried mm-hmm. a uh, Samoan drop and he got drew on his shoulders and drew kind of just wiggled out of it. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I wish that they would have put over some of the power that I know Solo's capable of, of performing because we've seen him and because mm. dude's a strong dude. Like, I just think that it didn't have to be one, one-sided. Solo could have looked a lot tougher. This really did look like the Uso's younger brother was in a match in over his head. And all yeah. the... Everyone around him was trying to protect him from being in over his head. And I really wish that... 
they played more of the Drew McIntyre's underestimating solo, and you don't want to underestimate this guy. He's a street thug, not th- thug, street champ. You know, like wow. this is a dude who's who's a fucking fighter through and through. You don't want to underestimate this guy. But they really made it play out like, yeah, you can underestimate him. He's he's a lesser than. You know. Yeah. Which is why I'm wonder- I'm also wondering if part of that is what they're hoping to rectify by giving him the NXT championship. So when he shows up next time on TV, he's got a title. And now it's like, oh, wait. Last time I saw this guy, he was having everyone cheat around him for him to, to lose still. And uh, now he's here with a championship. What happened? And then maybe it encourages people to watch his mellow match, which went really well. Like, I don't know, man. I was disappointed because I think Solo's a badass, and I think he's really good, and I don't think this highlighted that for his first match on the main roster. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole point is, you know, basically first impressions. Like, we saw him inter- interfere in the main event of Clash at the Castle, which is fine. You know, then he comes out, you know, does the promo work, which was fine. But for his actual match, it just, like you said, like he didn't, it didn't make him look good. Yeah. And then with Drew winning, well, I guess it was a disqualification. Yeah. But it didn't make Drew look any better either. Yeah. Like if there was more back and forth, more, you know, like you said, solo showing how strong he is, throwing Drew. I think, I think that would have been, you know, a lot more dynamic and serve, you know, a purpose. Yeah, a better purpose. And show that he, yeah, he's, yeah, that he is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, like, oh shit, the bloodline's got him now too? Like, oh my god, yeah. this is going to be tough. Yeah. But to see it this way, you're so like, oh, it's just another number in the in the pod. It's just another... Yeah. I mean, it, like, Sammy looks better against you. And I don't yeah. think that's what you want. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, it did end like you'd already talked about or teased about. Karrion Cross shows up out of nowhere, chokes out Drew McIntyre so hard that the cameras go black and white. And I hated that shit. As he chokes him out, chokes him out so hard that the uh, that the the entire live feed faded to black, and mm-hmm. uh, even the commentary faded into obscurity as the show went off the air. Yep. We're going to talk about it, I think, as well on Raw with the Dexter Loomis stuff, but very much in tune with Dexter Loomis that we've talked about the last couple of weeks is there's some stuff that's just way overproduced. And this yeah. is one of them. I really think that the cameras going black and white is worse than Fiend's lights going red. I hated that shit, too. I didn't love it. At the time, I was kind of okay with it. It made it look unique. It was a little interesting. Mankind got it once back in the day. But that was an internal lighting. This is a camera feed. Yeah. Like, even well, internal thing, lighting like... is something you can almost work with, right? But, like, this is like, yeah. oh, the cameras have turned to film. And I'm also, like, a sucker for film because I did photography for a long time. Digital black mm-hmm. and white looks different than film black and white. And it looks different because it looks green because they can't do it right because their true whites and blacks gradients aren't available in a digital color scheme, right? So it's like a, a variation of green or blue, like 
it doesn't look right. It looks like a digital filter and that doesn't have the effect I think most people think. One of my biggest pet peeves is the amount of photographers that do wrestling photography and just turn some of the photos black and white. Like, like, look at how good, how dramatic. And I'm like, no, it looks flat now. You took all of the vibrant colors and action that is naturally in the wrestling atmosphere, removed them, and don't even understand contrast or zoning to the effect of getting an emotion out of this photo other than doesn't look cool and artsy because it's black and white. That's how this felt. We'll make it go black and white because that'll look cool and artsy. And it didn't. It looked digital. It looked filtered. It looked like Darby Allen produced this segment on iMovie. Darby. Yeah, Darby. Darby Allen. Yeah, I just didn't like it. Like, I don't care if they do his promos in black and white. Yes. And uh, even his entrance. That's fine. But considering... He's already showed up and attacked people a couple times on SmackDown and nothing's happened to now all of a sudden he does it and it's black and white. Yep. Makes no sense. I don't like it at all. And yeah, I just And he's so impressive. And he's got yeah. such a good look. And his whole his whole presentation with Scarlet is so badass that I think this takes mm-hmm. away from that. Yeah. Well, it, it, like, and like you said, it makes it look flat. When I was younger, you know, I was always a WWF fan over WCW. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized I think it was because of the color. Mm-hmm. The WCW always looked dull. Mm-hmm. And WWF was, is always bright, kind of like watching a football game on CBS compared to Fox. Fox is very colorful, very bright in your face. And CBS is more laid back, like your grandparents' station. Mm-hmm. So I think when they do this with the black and white, like it takes away from it. It takes away from, uh, you know, like you said, the vibrancy of, you know, even just seeing like if if it was in color and you you could see um, Cross's like definition on his muscles, like in color, I think that would have been more. Impactful, excuse me. Yeah, because they didn't contrast it or use zoning because it's a digital filter and not actual film, it comes off largely middle gray because that's how light yeah. metering works. And that's how, uh, uh, it's even how black and white photography works is your camera wants everything to be a middle gray, a flat gray. And you have to tell the camera whether you want it to be actually more contrasted, brighter or darker, or give it more dramatic lighting. By default, a black and white filter is going to make it a middle gray, and it's flat. It's yeah. not by default cool or dark. You watch one episode of Twilight Zone, you're going to see more blacks and whites than middle grays because they knew what they were doing because it's the kind of art they had to do because the film that mm-hmm. was available. You look at this next to it, and you're going to see a flat middle gray segment with a lot of action and otherwise a very colorful atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, and there's no, like you said, contrast and stuff like that. Nothing pops out at yeah. you. And like I said, you know, you have Drew, they zoned in or zoomed into his face several times with, you know, in Cross's arms. And it just looked like, it didn't look like a, a chokehold more than they're just, you know, messing around almost. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't, yeah, I don't like it at all. Yeah, I hope they I learn think- from their mistakes. 
I think it was uh, as much as... I mean, when people talk about the Seth versus Fiend Hell in a Cell, one of the first things everyone was saying was how much they hated the red light in that scenario. Then the finish yeah. was the secondary thing that happened that night. The red light took away from the Fiend. And I think the gray and white well, is taking... Well, and to me... Yes. And to me, with that Hell in a Cell match, too, especially since the Hell... Or the Cell was red yep it took a lot away from the cell like you didn't really realize that the cell was there yeah a lot of became hard to to look yeah yeah it was very hard to read like yeah but Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's not doing i wish that i you know too bad that you can't have a side-by-side of color and in black and white and just show the difference like you can play like 10 seconds of each video Side by side, same clip. Like, I think the black and white. Would, I mean, yeah, the black and white would be hands down far inferior to the color, and just as a making cross look strong and look powering. You know what I mean? Yes. It's the difference between an artist having uh, film as their medium and uh, somebody getting a nice camera and being a photographer all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, they go, oh, what a cool filter. Oh, it looks like black and white, like how people used to do it. I don't know. People used to have to take a lot of things into account. All right. Yeah. Uh, there's a literal science to film photography and black and white photography. Uh, there were semesters of school based strictly on film, like black and white photography, because there's so much to know about the physics of the film, the light, how it affects it, the processing of it all. And now people put on a filter and say, look, it's like the same. Like, it's really not. It's really, really not. Yeah. Uh, Grammy says Solo was a star and Cross is next in line. Solo is a star. And the fact that it finished like this took away from all of that, too. Mm-hmm. I was really bummed by the end of SmackDown because I feel like Solo needed to be highlighted better. And I feel like that they doled up Cross. Even in the whole idea of we're building Cross and Solo, I walked away feeling like Drew buried Solo and production buried cross. Yeah, I feel like cross is wearing his demolition gear again. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, it's a bummer. They don't need to do it, but they're doing it, and I guess we'll see how it goes. Yep. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Raw happened. It was pretty solid Raw. Yeah. Dude. There was a lot that I liked about it. It did open up with Seth Rollins talking shit on Matt Riddle. Said he doesn't have anything to do with him anymore. Um, I thought it was a really good promo. I thought it was interesting that the crowd started chanting rematch and it was frustrating, Seth. How many times have mm. we heard a rematch chant? Never. I think this is the first. I don't know that it's ever happened ever in the history of time. Uh, but really cool that it did. Uh, I, I mean, so Riddle comes out with a mic, says bro, throws the mic, and then rushes Seth. That was dumb. I wish that he had said nothing rather than bro. I'd rather he come up with a mic, go to say something, and just look so mad and throw the mic and just yell something as he's running to the ring than actually pick up the mic, pretend he's saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, that was silly. But the little melee there was pretty cool. It gets interrupted by Judgment Day. You get Finn Balor and Riddle. Finn Balor talks some shit to Riddle, which was cool. Riddle wrestled a full-on match here with Balor that was badass with, like, a black eye and a swollen head. 
Yep. He's a tough motherfucker, dude. Like, <laughs> yep. He's a tough bro. He's a tough bro. Yeah, I didn't understand why Judgment Day got involved. It was weird. No idea. You know, no idea. I did like them kind of, if I remember correctly, they kind of alluded to, hey, Riddle, you should be with us. Yes. Type of thing. And I they was like, recruit Riddle, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, yes. I'm for it. Can you imagine he comes out in just like black gear and eye makeup all of a sudden? Yeah. Emo. <laughs> mm-hmm. His fingernails are just painted black now. Fingernails painted black. All the birds that come out of his butthole when he uh, has that entrance, they're all just black crows all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, don't know. I, don't I mean, I wouldn't be upset. He's a match, though. Yeah. I mean, two greats. Yeah. Do you think that we need to do Seth and Riddle again? Because I'm actually totally fine with them both moving on. Um, I don't know. Seriously. If they move on, I wouldn't be like, man, they cut this short. But if they continue it, I won't be. I As of now, I don't think I'd be, you know, this is dragging on. I feel like that you run the risk of making it feel like it's dragging on than if you mm-hmm. just have them be two forces that stay away from each other until they have to get back in the ring together. Like, go ahead, have Seth deny him, have Seth deny him. Maybe yeah. have Seth win yeah. one of the titles somehow, some way, and then maybe Riddle wins the Rumble and goes after Seth, and now it's a six-month-later rematch without having to have so many matches in between. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, if they had one more match, because I think it is going to culminate extreme worlds. Because hmm. I don't think you have Rollins go over India. I do. I think you do because I don't think that. Well, for one. Riddle, oh, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, right? But Riddle was booked into, will never be able to face Roman for the titles again. And I think that you want a contender coming out of this. And so I think you've got to have Seth win. So we have a reason to have him even suggest that he could go for gold. Like the way he cut that line. It's been a long time since I've held gold. It's true. And then later on, he gets in Bobby, uh, Bobby Lashley's Bobby. face. Bobby kind of gets in his face. Bobby. Yeah, that's right. Bobby gets in his face and... And he goes, I was ah, confused. maybe I'll take that off you. Go ahead. Yeah, I was confused when Bobby started laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rollins is doing his thing, and I hear him laughing. He's like, yeah, right. I was like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, I was confused, too. And it panned out, and then I was like, oh, shit, Bobby, what's that? <laughs> yeah. But, and, then, and then the idea of him having a match, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Seth versus Bobby, I have no problem with. But I also think, like, I think it'd be a cool angle if Riddle is, you know, a big force and he can't go after the title. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like, what do I have to do? And Roman's like, it's in the contract. You can't do it anymore. You know, there's nothing you can do to, you know, come after me. And then, well, I'll run Rumble or, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. And, like, 
I don't know. You know, also, I don't necessarily think Riddle would be the one to take a title off of Roman. I think USA gets involved in that. Hmm. In network. Maybe. They need to say, hey, you need to pick a title. You either got to go on USA or Fox. He throws the WWE Championship to the side. Just like, fuck this one? Yeah, Yeah, take this one. I like blue. Yeah, I could see that. Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, I... I won't be upset if they continue Seth and Riddle, and I won't be disappointed if they cut it short. I mean, cut it here and, you know, revisit it down the line. Yeah. Uh, we did get Dom Mysterio cutting a very sub-like promo in the back with, uh, I believe it was a Sears Photo Center doing a production on this one. As it was fading in and out on different angles of his face, none of which was he looking at the camera, just trying to figure out the right sequence for a nice Christmas photo card. Yeah. And then he was all like, I'm a man now. And Rhea Ripley comes over and whispers, you can't be a man when you're my little bitch. You'll always be my bitch. You'll always be my bitch. I also just cleaned up the peg. I'll see you in a minute. This is one. This is probably, for the record, one of the best pegging storylines that WWE's ever done. It's up there. Yeah. Top five easily. Yes. Yep. They had a a bunch back and forth with uh, Rey Mysterio, too. That whole Rey Mysterio thing where he comes over and talks to Dom, and Dom just, like, stares into nothingness the entire time was a little weird. Mm -hmm. Because he's brainwashed. But he also could have said, shut up, Dad. Anything. You know, Dad. You're old. Yeah. You don't even know what it's like. Yeah. (laughs) Rhea's really strong. Yeah. Have you seen her traps? (laughs) Also her muscles? I was was about to say, have you ever had a woman pick you up? And then I'm like, ah, it's Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio said yes. Most women have picked him up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mysterio's all like, Dom, I've been dominated by women my whole life. How do you think you got your name? (laughs) It was forced on me by a larger woman. (laughs) Pretty good, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think it is kind of cool, like, it's very like high school esque. Like Yes. You know, the girl telling you know, manipulating the boy and doing what he she wants and stuff like that and you know turning him on his friends and stuff. So you I think it's interesting. Hold on, go ahead. Go ahead and say it. I was gonna say, I was just gonna say, I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see where they go, but I hope this doesn't drag on again. This is one I think can be short and sweet and take it and you know go from there. Mm-hmm. And I think crazy. Ray, for the record, real quick, I think Ray joins Judgment Day. You think Ray's going to join Judgment Day? Yeah. I, the idea I think he's going to. I think he's going to turn on Edge, and then you might have like Ray and Edge shit, and you can draw that out for a while. Mm-hmm. But I think 
Ray is, will sit there and say, hey, blood's thicker than water. And you'll see Ray in the purple and black. That'd be cool. I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And then his eyes, instead of just being white, they're like purple. I mean, good. Yeah. Uh, Justin does say Dom and his ridiculous trying to act mad faces. He said, God's so dumb. <laughs> he's a little overacting. Here's, here's, you know what's crazy? Dom like Mysterio, Rhea Ripley, and Austin Theory are all exactly the same age. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Dom just seems like a kid, but of course... Yeah, that's exactly, dude. He somehow comes off like a little baby, and not just a baby face like good guy, not just like a baby face like his kid looks like he looks young. His body looks like it's underdeveloped. <laughs> <laughs> he ripped his shirt off at Clash at the Castle. Yeah, a hundred percent. Get that one on. Yes, but you look at Rhea and you look yeah. at Theory, and these are like adult badass athletes. I always try to defend Dom when people say he's only there because his dad's Ray and say, look, he's put in a lot of work. But at the same time, when you look at Dominic, Rhea, and Theory, and uh, you realize they're all the same age, and you realize that Dominic grew up with Rey Mysterio as the primary paternal fig. Well, I mean, his mom is always there. I'm not trying to discount his mom, but you, his, his father was Rey Mysterio. His dad was always there. His dad, his dad got him a gig. Yeah, his father, Eddie Guerrero, a legend in the business. Mm-hmm. But you, it's hard you know to argue that. that that he's put in the same amount of work as Theory or Rhea, like even in the gym. Like you can't. Like it's, it's definitely not in the gym. It's that's <laughs> a given. But like in ring, you know, he's got some skills that you know. It's there. He's got, you know, the potential, the yeah. upside, the downside, as Marsh likes to say. He's got the potential. Yeah. And bottom's the limit, dude. Yeah. The bottomless limit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, like, he, it's weird because he does have the talent, but then, like you said, they're all the same age. Like, you see the talent of the other two, and you're like, shit, they, they busted their ass for it. Yeah. You can tell that they Yeah. So. Yeah, but I mean, then also like raise the Dom's like from behind. Well, that's what he likes. Justin said Dom literally looked like he was going to cry last week when commentary kept saying he was showing no remorse. <laughs> it's true too. Stop it! I'm evil now. <laughs> don't even don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's weird is like uh, I watch a lot of basketball and. Bill Wallen commentates, and he always talks about the genetic lottery. The winner of the genetic lottery are, you know, the athletes on the field because, you know, yeah, they are. They're, you know, genetic freaks a lot of times. Got Steiner in. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was going to say the same thing. I was like, well, it's just genetic lottery with Rhea and Austin Theory, but then you look at Dom's genetics, and it's like, well, kind of on top. He's like, Twice the size of his dad. So. Yeah, right. I mean, he's not uh, four foot even. Yeah, and this whole like I'm a man now thing, just constantly sounds like 
it's gross, dude. It's disgusting. <laughs> uh, but moving along, we'll revisit that, I'm sure. We did have Bailey come out with damage control against Raquel and Aaliyah. And we have new, have new tag team champions of the way. Yep. Ooh, a lot of people were asking. A lot of people were asking, what's the point? I saw people, uh, maybe it was even Justin, because he's just pointless. a scumbag online. Just pointless aggression really coming through with his <laughs> terrible takes. Um, just asking questions like, why bother having them lose the tournament? If you're only going to bring up ones that, in the story that they were the, Dakota wasn't legal, only came up one time. Uh, I think, because we had speculated at the time, Change. My, my hunch is they were supposed to win, and the ref fucked that up. I mean, there's nothing we've seen since Dakota and EO lost that match that wouldn't have been better, or didn't feel like they should be holding the titles in that moment. There's nothing we've seen from Raquel and Aaliyah that made you feel like they're special because they're the champions. They've had these weird static matches with teams that aren't even on the show random teams put together just to try to make it work and it wasn't working and i think that they i think the idea was that it was a mistake but fuck it we'll go with it and i think as they went with it it kept going but, like nope we shouldn't have done this you know what i mean like i think it was an error and i think this was them fixing it see i don't know i, I have to rewatch the match but i don't think it was because you don't have Aaliyah reacting when they won the champions like they or championships like they did or like she did because she wasn't like in shock she was like yeah yeah and also i mm. i think their music hit right afterward so if it was an error you wouldn't have their music ready to go mm. like i said i'll have I to rewatch it because i wonder if yeah because i mean if it, music yeah if there was a pause then maybe but if there was no pause because how many times like this is what kind of irritates me too nowadays is as soon as the fucking bell rings, the music starts playing. Mm. And back in the day, a lot of times, especially during squash finishes, and it happened a couple times in recent memory where who won, the bell rings, and then somebody's music's playing. And I forgot who it was, but it was, you know, might have been like a year ago now, but I remember Corey goes, oh, I guess it's so-and-so because their music's playing. Yeah. And it was like, yo, that was way too quick. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I'll, have, I'll rewatch that as well because maybe. Yeah. My hunch is they were supposed to win then and it didn't work that way. But see, I also think they could have easily just changed their mind as well. Hey, no, give it to them because they didn't bring it up right away. It was yeah. like a side note that, oh, my, you know, I wasn't legal, you know, and then. Uh, Aaliyah and Ray, uh, Raquel had their match or their matches, and then they were kind of like, "Yeah, I don't know if they're ready." That's kind of well, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like that if it was storyline, that you would have leaned more into. I don't know if that was the legal person. I mean, look what they did with uh, Liv and Ronda. They just fucking went out on as hard as they could to bury Liv with that shit to see if she could survive it. But yeah. I think that the fact that they didn't bring it up and the fact that you hear Corey start to say it and then get cut off. Like, well, no, no, what I'm saying, I don't think that was storyline. I think that was the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you think they're but, supposed to win anyways? Yeah. Okay. 
That could be. And then they changed their mind after a couple of their matches, of, you know, after they won the championship. They kind of changed their mind. Like, yeah. But then at the same time, like, I just don't get why you're, you kept building up Alexa and Asuka. Yeah. That they're going to be a tag team unless you go into Clash of the Castle with tag champs and woman champ or uh, raw champ on the opposite end of the match or opposite end of the ring. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I am glad that they won, though. I thought it was awesome. Dakota, EO. I was kind of shocked, truthfully. When they won. Really? You didn't think yeah. they were going to do it? I didn't think, I thought this was going to be kind of like, hey, we're here. You know, that was a mistake. Look at, we're champions still. Mm-hmm. And when they actually won, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. And I also, also noticed the uh, side plates were never changed from the default WWE ones. So I don't know if Raquel and Aliyah ever had side plates in the making or not. Oh, really? That's. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, too. Yeah, they never had side plates. And that goes to your theory of yeah. it being a mistake. Yep, sure does. But, side note, does Aaliyah. Not Aaliyah. Does um, EO and Dakota have a finishing maneuver yet or move? I thought they had some sort of tandem move that was pretty big, yeah. I don't know what it's called. called. I don't know what it's called. Because them being damage control with control CTRL, I'm waiting for a control delete. Yeah. Me too. We got to do it. Yeah. Of course, they're not going to do it. Yeah, command escape. Yeah, F one. Yeah, or F eleven. Yeah, F eleven. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, hey, let's move it along. Hey. What did you think about Gargano versus Chad Gable? At face value, when I got the email saying, Johnny Gargano makes his return to the ring against Chad Gable, I was uh, not thrilled. Nice. Good job. That's how I read emails. I was like, the idea that Gargano's going to come in here and, and beat a fucking Olympic-level athlete is not exciting to me. Because you hate Gargano. No, no. You can't give Gargano the fart gun. He already gave me the fart gun. The Claymore. Should name Johnny Wrestling. <laughs> you sound like what? Harry Carey. Kinda. Sounds like who? Harry Carey. Oh, yeah. That was pretty close to Harry Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal. No. Um, Gargano wins. Gargano wins. <laughs> <laughs> Gargano gets the victory over Chad Gable. <laughs> I will say, face value, I was super not excited because we knew Gargano was going to win. And Chad Gable yep. is a goddamn Olympic athlete who does not get his flowers. Even people who say they enjoy him and find him entertaining, they never talk about how good and impressive he always is. Every time he has a match, I go, oh, this will probably be good. And then every match I go, God damn, he's so good, dude. Like, he blows me away every time. 
and you forget that he's yeah. that level of an athlete because he is funny because he is small he's all those things the crowd even started chanting shorty g at some point and not to mock him shorty g i know they weren't even trying to mock him they were just saying like they were chanting gargano and then people were saying like fuck dude i don't know this shorty g motherfucker is good i will say who was he in tag team with when he was shorty g sorry Mm. was it Dolph? was it sean benjamin no, I don't think him and Benjamin tagged together. I'll look up Shorty G okay. matches real quick. Shorty G matches. Or is it that just what Seamus called him? Shorty G versus Lars Sullivan. Ooh, I did not. I Google Shorty G versus Cesaro. Shorty G versus Seamus. Shorty G quit SmackDown. Maybe they just called him Shorty G. I thought he was in the tag team. But anyways. Um, oh, he tagged with uh, with Roman one time. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Against Corbin and Ziggler. Line. Yeah, I should have been champions. He should be the jester in the or jester in the bloodline, in King's Court. Yeah, that'd be good. <clears throat> but anyways, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was. When you told me about it, because I didn't, I don't read emails. I don't go on Twitter. Um, Mustafa for a little bit. I thought he had like a legit tank. Doesn't look like it. No. Anyways, uh, yeah, when I heard about it, I was a little disappointed because. At this point, Shorty G's lost like 15 matches in a row. Yes. But at the same time, like outside of a jobber, who do you who do you have Gargano go up against? Mustafa Ali. Mm. I absolutely would be totally fine with, with Gargano beating the snot out of Mustafa Ali. That made me happy for sure. Well, truthfully, it should have been Theory, but Theory would have had to win. Because Theory looks like shit. Yeah, Theory's not been not been looking good. That is true. Can confirm. He is bottomless limit right there. Yeah, bottomless limits. Uh. So, yeah, face value, I was not excited for this match at all. I was not happy about it. I didn't want to see it. Mm-hmm. Shorty G. Um, but then the match happened, and mm-hmm. I was not at home when the when the match first aired. Producer Lady watched it without me. She doesn't care about That's watching rude. with me. Yeah, she doesn't care, dude. Wow. Living her own life, you know what I mean? She's like, oh, I'm a strong, independent woman, and oh, I'll watch wrestling without you, you son of a bitch, and throws things at me, and you know how it goes. And she calls you, and she calls you a bitch. I've been there. Calls me names and stuff. She's, she's all doesn't like, whisper it. No, she doesn't whisper it at all. Like, I'm always like, bitch. She's not. She's like, you're bitch. You. Yeah, get over that's here, what, bitch. That's what she's, yeah, exactly like that. That's how she talks to me. It's crazy. It's Make me a bitch. sandwich. <laughs> Shouldn't, are you busy? <laughs> Shouldn't you be at work? Yeah, shouldn't you be working? I was. Yeah, well, I'm trying also. I think we're all just trying. (laughs) All right, last call. Gotta go. All right, guys, I gotta go. Last call. Um, 
<laughs> internet cuts out. <laughs> fades to black, like yeah. carrying around. Yeah, fades to black. <laughs> She's in her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was like, "You're gonna want to watch this match." I was like, "I really intended to not watch this match. I had every anticipation of asking you what you thought of the match without watching it at all. I didn't want to see it." This is my, this was my bathroom break match. Yep, I had every time I was holding in a poop just for this match. Mm-hmm. This match ended up being really good. Yeah, I, th- I think. I wonder a couple of wow. things. I wonder a couple of things. Oh. I wonder if a. If Gargano shows up and everyone's all like, look, I wonder if I wonder if Gargano's smarter than I think he is. Remember how before I was saying I think Triple H is smarter than we give him credit for and that he understands some things are going to work in NXT that won't work on the main roster? I wonder if yes. Gargano's also that smart to say, hey, that was a moment in time with a certain type of crew with a certain type of audience. I'm going to have to do things different here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I wonder yeah. if he was out there listening to Gable and Gable was all like, I'll make you look legit if you fucking listen to me. You know? Mm-hmm. Because this match was awesome in a way that, like, I have I watched every match Gargano had in NXT and I never once thought he was a good technical wrestler. I never oh. once thought that he would be able to go toe-to-toe with an, with a, an amateur wrestler and make it look like chain wrestling. Never once. Yeah. Probably because he didn't have to do that type of stuff. He wasn't in the ring with guys like that. You yeah. Know I mean? But this match, I was all like, oh, shit, he might be a chain wrestler. Like, he might be the kind of dude to be cool to watch him against a, a Timothy Thatcher. Mm-hmm. You know? I kind of want to yeah. see Gargano against Ziggler now. And coming into this I match, I didn't want to see Gargano at all. I wanted to poop. I wanted to poop real bad. Would you tell me what you thought about this? Shit on my couch. Yeah, so I shit um, my pants. I watched the match. Yeah. <laughs> I was pleased with myself. Yeah, um, I was physically abused by my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Just a normal Monday night here, guys. Just Keep Monday night, wow. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was a good match. Um. I think both guys worked well together, like you said. And, yeah, I think it was a really good debut match for somebody, like, if you weren't familiar with him before, Mm -hmm. to show and highlight stuff that he's capable of without just steamrolling somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was good. I I am. Um, I liked... Uh, Gargano, and it makes me a little more curious of where you go from here. Yes. Like, how are they going to build him up? Where is he going? You know, what is he doing? Is he going to be the third person in Mrs. Entourage? Mm-hmm. I can see that. I also, I also feel like we're already in levels where I feel like they're over pushing him, and not just because this match. This was fine. Mm-hmm. This is followed up by a Kevin Owens promo. We're going to talk yeah, about that in a minute. Can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Before we talk about what Kevin Owens talked about, on top of what Kevin Owens talked about, Kevin or J- Johnny Gargano has been on After the Bell like twice. Mm-hmm. Johnny Gargano was also on uh, Ryan Satin's podcast. 
then you have this Kevin Owens promo that talks about Gargano like seven times. He doesn't even mention anyone else. He's trying to talk about the heart and soul of WWE and where WWE come from and and the backbone of WWE. And he keeps bringing up Gargano like he didn't just show up and have one match. Like, you couldn't have talked about a Sammy. You couldn't have talked about anyone else. You couldn't talk about Finn Balor, Priest, Rhea. Like, you had other people you could have pulled from, but you didn't, which is fine. I'm not critiquing his thing so much, but I was like, wow, they're really pushing Gargano. And this could have been Kevin Owens yeah. just doing it on his own and saying, I'm going to put over Johnny because mm-hmm. I believe in him and I want him to be a thing. I don't want him to fail, right? Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get – he's basically saying, if you're a fan of me, you should be a fan of him. Yeah. Uh, the bump today was hosted by Johnny and Kevin Owens. Like, I feel like they're shoving Johnny Gargano down my throat, and I feel like he's very annoying a lot of the time. The match was good. A lot of his promos have been very annoying to me. Uh, even the appearances he's had in these podcasts, I can't even get through them. I start listening to him, and after a while, I go, this guy's annoying the shit out of me. You know what he kind of reminds me of? Huh. During his promo work, is Babyface Seth? Mm. Yeah, where it was like, it doesn't feel natural because he's forcing like it, it, a storyline that doesn't make sense. Yeah, even commentary was all like, "You got to remember, Gargano has a kid at home. He might be doing this off of no sleep," and we're like, "Gable's got like five kids at home," <laughs> like. Gable also just had and a he kid tells and them a master's. Shoosh. Yeah, he tells them to shoosh. He's the valedictorian. He got a master's degree with a 4.0. Like, they're pretending like him having a baby at home sets him apart from the rest of the entire roster. It does not. You're one of very many parents in this fucking company. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I find that annoying. He talks like uh, like being out of the ring for nine months was out of his control when it was literally his decision. No injury was had. He talks about if he didn't know if he'd ever return when that was never really uh, uh, discussed like it wasn't an option for him to return. He wasn't fired. He wasn't let go. He decided not to renew his contract so he could go home and spend a few months with his kid and was told to call when he was ready to come back. That's exactly how that played out, and he's talking about it. Like he's CM Punk coming back after eight years of not wanting to come back. You were gone on paternity leave. And you got a bonus to come back. When does the Journey Gargano book come out? I know. He's going to have a Drew McIntyre type book. I have a baby. Yeah. Champion father of the year. Yeah. Once I was at home, I had to claw my way back to the yeah i was at home Candace for almost... let me leave yeah it's fucking it's ridiculous it's a silly storyline that doesn't make any sense it doesn't make him a hero he had one kid most and... of the people in the ring have many more kids and have had a much and we're not allowed to go home for nine months for, for it like you know what i mean like they're pushing a story that doesn't make sense he's trying to push it to like it's this massive incredible return against all odds and no the odds were always in your favor they've always been in your favor he controlled his narrative. Yes, he controlled his narrative. Uh, so it's just frustrating um, in that regard. It's not even that it's not like a fine story to tell in a podcast, but at this point, that's his whole character. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I think on air, they've talked about Johnny Gargano's kid more than Becky's kid. Yes. Yeah, and Becky had the kid. 
Gargano yeah. literally did an interview recently about his body transformation since having the child. That's not a joke. I thought that was just a joke. I thought it no. was a joke when they mentioned that. No, it's not. He stopped working out when he went home. He put on, it looked like 10 pounds maybe, lost maybe five pounds of muscle. He looked like pretty much an average person. And then over the last six months or so, started working out again. And he looks very, he's cut now and has more muscle mass. It's not an impressive thing. It's a fine thing. He's back to what he looked like before he went home and stopped working out. He just started I eating. thought he kind of, I thought he kind of looks like an average person now. Yeah, he looks like a athletic average person. Where before he just like a like a yeah. non athletic average person, yeah. and it all happened within nine months. And yeah, this body transformation thing—they didn't focus as heavily on it when Becky came back from having a child as they are with with Gargano. And to, to be honest, and even it's stupid. And even you know you hate to give her dues, her dues or whatever, her flowers. But even Lacey Evans just yes. recently had a baby. Yeah, and just had a second child and came back. Yeah. Yeah, Faptina says it in the chat too. He's acting like he's Becky Lynch. She was working out while pregnant. That's true. Mm-hmm. There's like fucking footage of her on those little bicycles and shit. Yeah, it's just, it's a ridiculous story. And I think that's part of the disconnect is he sounds annoying, uh, self important, and he's supposed to be a baby face. Having a hard time rooting for this dude. But the match was good. So take that for whatever it's worth. So you root against him. Yes. But you still enjoy the matches. Yes. Chad Gable was the baby face in that match. Yeah. And then Theory came out and baby faced. Beat the shit out of him with a briefcase. It was great. Uh, what'd you think of the Kevin Owens uh, Theory promo segment? I thought it sucked and it didn't make sense. It's bullshit. I didn't like it. It was garbage. <laughs> like, why would you even bother? Terrible. Just don't even Terrible. talk. If that's what you're going to do. Yeah. I fast forward through this shit. I never listen to that guy. Yeah. He's not very good on the mic. No, no one's ever uh, talked about Kevin Owens for his talking. That's for sure. He's yeah. A body guy. Not at all. Yeah. Body guy. Speaking of body transformations. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. So, uh, no, it was, it was so great. Like just there's, there's, only a few, like a select few people that can A, talk naturally and come off naturally and for it to come out like he like he, that he's very passionate about it. Yes. And KO delivers that all the time. Just, hey, this is what he truly believes and like if he if he went on a podcast afterwards and was like, oh yeah, I was just told to say that, like I would be like, holy shit, yeah. that guy deserves an, an Emmy, because yeah. like his promos are, they fucking hit, they have meaning, and they have, like I said, you truly believe this is what he's feeling. Yes, they have passion. And half the time you're trying to figure out if he's talking deeper than we even hear because it feels so deep and you're like, he's got to be talking about something else. There was a theory that producer lady shot at me and she said, I want you to tell me what you think. I wonder if he was talking about CM Punk at any moment in here. And I do think there's part of it where he talks about um, checking your ego at the door and trying to be the best you can for the fans and putting it all out there. Uh, That may have been directed towards Punk. That could very well have been, hey, if you want to be great in this business and be the face of the business, you have to check your ego at the door. Uh, 
but I didn't feel like a lot of it was. I didn't feel like there was. I feel like he was definitely trying to put over his buddy, and I feel mm. like he was definitely trying to put over the new feeling in the back. Like that's what it felt like. It felt like this felt a little bit like Triple H versus Vince McMahon. You know, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Austin theory being the representative of the Vince McMahon era and, you know, the handpicked protege of Vince and Kevin Owens being the handpicked protege by Triple H. Because he even talked about it. When I won yeah. the Universal title, that was handed to me on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. You know? So he even wanted you to remember that. I was handpicked by Triple H at one point. Storyline or not. Yeah. I, this felt like. If you want to be the face of the company at this point, things are different. You can't just come in here with a physique and think you're going to be handed stuff. And I also felt like some of the stuff that he was saying about, like, stop talking about the opportunities that were handed to you and start talking about ones that you're going to start earning and prove me wrong and all that. I felt like some of that could have been directed towards a punk. You were handed everything in AEW. You weren't willing to work for anything. Like, I could feel, I could see that. Especially knowing that Kevin Owens is a cult guy um, and was never a CM Punk fan. But but I think surface level, kayfabe in Raw, it felt like a Triple H versus Vince McMahon promo. And I also feel like that based off what I've seen of Theory, I think he is not the guy he plays on screen at all. You know? No. No. You mean like his actual like person? Like Yes, I think his actual personality, his actual ability to learn, I think his actual ego is much more in check than his character, which made it even more powerful to me and made it mm-hmm. seem even more like like these dudes could be hugging in the back afterwards and be like, God damn, that was good, wasn't it? And it Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it didn't feel like a, a literal personal attack. This felt like yeah. Triple H is bringing a new WWE. Austin Theory could still rise, right? Because this mm. Triple H era is not going to say that the Austin Theories of the world have no place anymore. But you're going to have to work a certain way yeah. to also rise, you know? Yeah, I've seen a few interviews with Theory, and he's just... It looks like he's very humble mm-hmm. on a lot of things. And he's just like you know, he's like a, a person, like he's just a normal person. Like, you know, oh yeah, this is my job. I have to work hard on it. You know, unlike some of the stuff like for Drew, for example, where it's like, yeah, you're pretty close to, you know, the pompous douchebag that you play. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, truthfully, I don't know if that's Drew staying in kayfabe or whatever, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was the first one that came to mind, but, yeah, I think I definitely don't think this was a, any kind of personal attack, you know, on theory or anything like that. But I do, I do like that it, you know, the passion that KO had, and then the way theory was selling it. Yes, like he yes. was striking a nerve. Like he was, you know, because he's sitting there and it looked like he's contemplating things, mm-hmm. and then it looks like, oh shit, you're gonna have this. Um, not necessarily a turn, but like a epiphany. Yeah. Like Theory's gonna, you know, come out and say something, and then he just looks at him and kind of smirks and flexes. Yeah. He's, he, you know, I think that was one of the things Ko said. You can't just come in here flexing your muscles. You know, you have to also back it up, type of thing. And 
And he just smirks and flashes his puzzles. I was like, that's funny right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. Because as soon as he did it, too, I was like, oh, what a dick. Uh, so when I was backstage at the WrestleMania thing, I saw a lot mm. of theory back there. And he never came across like he felt like he was the biggest star in the room. Yes. And there's a couple stories I'll probably tell you off air about some of the stuff I saw him do backstage. Um, mm-hmm. That made me laugh. It made me go like, oh, this guy, he's, he's one of us. He's one of us. Like, yeah. he's, a, he's a big fan of well, us, and you know. And, and he gets it, yeah. Truthfully, truthfully before, like, I always thought the comparisons of Theory and Cena were just the physique and the muscles and the athleticism. But now, like I said, now that I've seen a little more of his, like, personality behind the camera, you know, and I haven't seen a lot by any means, but it seems like, oh, he's just as, you know, like, humble and grateful. And dedicated. Similar to the way, yeah, and similar to the way Cena was. Yeah. So, like, I think it's, you know, I think there's more of that comparison than, you know, especially people, uh, I've heard things in the, uh, people from the industry. Mm-hmm. compare him to cena and i'm like at first i was like what i don't get it like was, yeah he's young and he's big cool but then like i said then you see hey there's also a lot of personality traits that are the same and like you said dedication and i think he is really grateful and happy and humble to be where he is right now yeah yeah i think so i was watching him work on his match a little bit with ricochet and that was really cool to watch too and seeing them afterwards talking about it like it was pretty cool mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Owens, barn burner of a promo, you know. Yeah, I liked him saying, "You think I, uh, you know, your broken nose is just the beginning, bitch." Like, because Theory's nose got busted a little bit there. I'm excited for this match coming up. Do you think they get to a point where they try to take the briefcase off of Theory? I think they need to, and they have to at this point, because Theory's lost a lot of matches. He was handpicked and didn't earn a spot into the Money in the Bank match. Mm-hmm. And he... Um, he's lost several matches since being Money in the Bank champion. A briefcase holder. So, I think... I think the way I would do it, I would have KO beat him again. Mm-hmm. And then KO, you know come out with another fucking awesome promo and say, hey, you know, you don't deserve that. And I'm going to rectify this. Like, you don't deserve that. I'm going for it. Put it up. Let's go. And then I think you have Theory win it. Mm. Or retain it. And you have Theory saying, hey, you know, I don't want him to say, you know, hey, I don't you know, show up for all my matches, but when it counts, I do type of thing. But not exactly a baby turn, to... but like a double down on this is the right. Yeah, decision. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I like I that more than others because I've seen a lot of people try to speculate on how to get the briefcase off of him. I like the idea of what you're saying is like, no, no, you just build a way where you double down on him being, being mm-hmm. in the spot. Because uh, truthfully, like he's he's almost. Like I wouldn't mind if they build him like the 
like an anti-Drew. Mm-hmm. Where Drew wins every single one of his matches except for when it actually counts. Yeah. Because any match that actually counts or actually has meaning, when was the last time he won one? Yeah. Because he didn't even win his match to get into Money in the Bank. Yeah. Like, any match of actual significance, you know, obviously for the belt, he's gone up against Roman, and obviously we know where that goes, but, like, I don't think, you know, he's won the number one contenders match, but he's never won the next step recently. Yeah. Yeah, it's been years. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Bianca came out, cut an open challenge. Sonya comes out. She says, this is an open challenge on an open mic, bitch. Sonya Deville mm-hmm. uh, from SmackDown somehow was in the arena and made it out there. Beat every other... Yeah. Every single other woman on the Raw roster. <laughs> you didn't even have Dana Brooke come out, who's the 24-7 champion. Uh... The match was pretty solid. If I'm being honest, I felt like it was one of the better Sonya Deville matches, even with the sloppiness that occurred. And yeah. the it was very clear that Sonya had a hard time keeping up with Bianca. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did feel like the, that Sonya was having a better match than normal, even with uh, her wardrobe issues. And she was having a hard time keeping it on there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if she works on gear more for looks than anything and doesn't consider too much about, like, you know, if this zipper is this way, is it going to be pulled apart? Like, I think a lot of them Mm -hmm. put them in reverse. A lot of the zippers, I think, go in reverse, so that doesn't happen. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a a wardrobe maker, seamsters, or whatever. I don't know how any of that stuff works. But it did seem like an issue that was in the way. What did you think of the match? you think it was any good? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a solid match. Um, like we said, I was just confused on why Sonya was out there again. Yeah, and it was one of those disappointing ones, too, where not like to say that it's disappointing we're getting this match, but there was no moment of, oh, shit, Sonya might take this. You went, oh, that's interesting to have that be Bianca's next match. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, and, like, a lot of times when you hear open challenge, you think – either a match that we've been wanting or even like a return is going to happen. Yeah. Or a call and especially up. the way, yeah, Triple H has been, you know, bringing people back and stuff like that. I was, I kept thinking like, I immediately went to, all right, who's returning? Yeah. Right now. I thought about a return and, or potentially someone from NXT showing up. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, you know, does Bailey answer it or you know and they didn't even tease towards that like I was like even if Bailey like if, can you imagine Bailey's music hits she walks you know to the entrance she's got her you know gear on and stuff like that and then just laughs and turns and walks away oh yeah that'd been great I think that would have been like that would have been so significant yes yeah <laughs> And then Bailey just, you know, without a microphone, looks in the camera. I told you I didn't want that, or I'm not going after that. Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, and they did have um, Bailey come out afterwards and cut a promo on Bianca, doubling down Mm -hmm. on what we said. When she wants it, she'll take it, but she doesn't want it right now. So, um, you know, kind of is what it is. 
Bianca gets surrounded by um, all of damage control, starts to get beat down. Alexa and Asuka come out, even the odds. Uh, and then they beat the shit out of all the heels, and the heels roll out, and you go, well, I guess that's that. Like, mm-hmm. As much as, like, because you see it later, it's the opposite, right? And I'm going to complain about that, too. Edge gets his ass kicked, and no one comes out to save him. Here's one where yep. Babyface getting her ass kicked, and the Babyfaces get over on the heels. In a storyline that could go further with the heels, like, I'm not saying that people shouldn't come out to help, but who's your underdog supposed to be here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're constantly putting damage control as the underdogs, but they're also the heels, so they also take the advantage and then lose the advantage over and over again. They're just made to look foolish. Yeah. I just don't get that part. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, they're always... They're always undermined, so then they so then the heels become the underdogs, and it's weird because you're meant to cheer for underdogs. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. The Bay Faces stood tall again, but when the match happens and the match counts, the heels are winning. So, I just it feels mm-hmm. backwards to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know. I'm having fun with it because I like damage control. So whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it. Uh, anything on that? No. No, I think that's pretty much my sentiments exactly. Yeah, uh, we already talked about Bobby Lashley and Seth. Was there anything you wanted to add to that? Because that happened around this point. No, just once again, the, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's gonna be dope, dude. Uh, we had the Miz thing at his house. Yep. When I talk about things being overproduced, this is like a perfect highlight of overproduced under quality overacted Miz and Maurice were so overacting. Oh, it was. Yeah. (laughs) The cameraman was overacting. Yeah. Dexter was overacting. Here was the other problem. All the clips before Dexter's in the house, which is at the end of it, where you keep seeing Dexter in the windows were to me very obvious photoshop images forced into a section of the screen and so you started seeing glitches with it as well where it was shifting copying like pasting a photoshop photo of a dude in a window is goofy college bullshit that's a tiktok that's not fucking network television like what the fuck are we doing Mm -hmm. And that's what they were going for, I'm sure. Oh. Yeah. Kev, I was, the second I saw that Photoshop, I was immediately like, fuck this. This is stupid. You're going to put a Photoshop post-production, and then you're going to build to him being in the house, and it's obvious and poorly done. This was poorly executed from a company that typically does not poorly execute video production. Ooh. Did you have fun watching this segment? Um, no, I was honestly hoping you'd say yes. Cause I really <laughs> wanted you to defend this segment against me. Well, see, here's the thing is promos like this. I don't have a problem with them overproducing. Yeah. The overacting just sucks just because it's bad acting. Yes. The, the Photoshop, like I didn't notice because here's the bad thing about, all these Miz spots right now is I find myself not looking at the Miz when he's on TV. Mm, yeah. I'm constantly just looking in the background 
trying to find something like, oh, what what am I going to miss here? Like, where's Waldo? Like, there's something's going to pop up. I I turned away for something or looked at my phone or did something. But when I looked up and on the left window when they first showed a face, I wasn't even sure if that was Dexter Loomis. Mm-hmm. And I looked and I was like, was that Dexter Loomis or is that somebody else? Yeah. Was that like a lackey or something? Like at first, I legitimately thought it was Croc. Mm. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, why is that? Doesn't make sense. And then, you know, then I watched and I saw him over there, you know, in the other window. Then I'm like, is this, like I said, are there more than one? Is somebody, you know, helping Dexter? And stuff like that, and it just, you know, like I said, it it takes away from what I think they're trying to truly accomplish when you're trying to focus and pick up on stuff in the background. Yeah. And with that being said, like the segment, I don't think was terrible, terrible, but. Like I said, I find myself being distracted by trying to find stuff in the background than what's trying to actually be portrayed. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I didn't enjoy it. All right. <clears throat> I think I trashed it enough. We can move on to the main event. <laughs> no need to sit here and just trash it the whole time. It was just it was as throwaway as it gets to me. Uh, and the bad uh, Photoshop thing was just really frustrating because I was like, yeah. that's amateur hour shit. Do you think just, Dexter Loomis is a cartoon show up on the auction? It should. Some of the other ones have in the past. Oh, have they? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely wouldn't put a bid on it. I mean, it'd be it's cool. He did a good job with it, but yeah. Um, we did have Dominic Mysterio against Edge in the main event. The the match started good, and then they just decided to fuck that ref. And everything that has to do with the rules. They tied up yeah. Mysterio into the ropes. They had everyone interfere in front of the ref. As Mysterio's tied up in the ropes, Edge just starts beating the shit out of him. Takes the referee forever to even count like he's not tied up in the ropes. The ref never tries to help him out, which happens all the time. Edge keeps going back to him while he's tied up in the ropes. The match fell the fuck apart at the end for this convoluted spot fest that just didn't have to happen. Just DQ the match and do the whole thing. Or Yeah. Or be a no DQ match. Yeah, or change it up somehow. Like maybe even have Judgment Day talking to the ref on the side or pull the ref out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like and then have the ref upset about this. Cause what what did he finally How did he finally get disqualified? Rhea handed Dominic the chair. Uh, no, it was before that. Interference from the Judgment Day. Rey Mysterio. Yeah, finally, uh, after several people interfered, like the fourth interference, the referee was finally like, all right, forget it. I'm going to finally disqualify yeah. this. And it just took fucking forever. There was, that was the other thing. Disqualify the match earlier. You had so many yeah. interferences that if it was going to be DQ'd by interference anyways, just do it on the first one. And then let the other shit well, just even, be action. Yeah, well, even just... You know, don't even say DQ, like, hey, here's the winner. She's like, hey, I have no control over this match like I should. 
And just call it a no contest. Yeah, that's it too. Rey Mysterio goes in and puts his hands on Edge, and the referee's like, oh, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, this is a match here. The whole time, Dominic's still tied up in the ropes. The whole time, Edge keeps beating the shit out of the kid tied in the ropes. The ref never tries to help him out because his safety is not an issue. And then finally they wait for somebody from Judgment Day to interfere. So they make, okay, that's it. Now it's a DQ because you aren't supposed to interfere. But Ray interfering was totally fine. It just fell the fuck apart early. And they needed to DQ it much earlier and just let it be a big melee. Let it be the Mm -hmm. mess it was going to be. Then Judgment Day starts beating the shit out of Edge with weapons. And they're just knocking the holy hell out of them. And Byron says, somebody come out and help Edge. Corey had to sound like an idiot because he had no other choice where he goes, <laughs> who in the world is going to save edge? Ray Mysterio's on the ground out here. I don't know. One of mm. 200 other baby faces. Does yeah. edge have not a friend in the whole fucking world because Bianca <clears throat> got surrounded and Oscar and, and Alexa came out, not because they have this deep rooted long 20 year history in the business together. But because they don't want to see another good guy get the shit kicked out of them for no reason against a bunch of mm-hmm. other people they don't like. You're telling me that everyone loved Judgment Day and everyone says, yeah, fuck that Edge guy? You got no one back there? No producers? No referees? No Where's AJ, one? damn it. Who? AJ? AJ. Yeah. yeah. Did That's AJ and Edge ever team? You know what I mean? Has yeah. Edge ever teamed with anybody back there ever and thought, hey, that guy's a good dude? It made Edge look like a total fucking chump. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the back's just watching it like, yeah, that's what he gets. Is Edge the CM Punk of WWE? Does nobody like him backstage? <laughs> we just don't want. Yeah, we just have no idea. We're going to have a media scrum with Edge going out there being like, I'm old and I'm tired and I'm chewing on a cheeseburger and everyone's a piece mm-hmm. of shit. <laughs> Go to Tim Hortons in Canada when you can. I'm glad. Yeah. Sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because I was thinking the same thing. Like, somebody's going to come out. Somebody, you know. I wasn't even thinking like a legend or a return or anything like that. I was literally thinking, oh, this is a, a part where normally Street Profits come out. Or yeah. even a Drew. Or an AJ you know, would have like, made sense just because AJ doesn't like Finn. Yeah. yeah. AJ and AJ, Dolph just had a match had, against the Judgment Day. Where are those two dudes? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. They, they legitimately are a part of this storyline. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it was weird. Yeah. So on one side, the women are defending each other because they're not about to have it, so they make the heels the underdog. And on this side, because here's the deal. You you still have the Judgment Day outnumbering the, the good guys, and they still have weapons. So have an AJ come out and get laid out. Have Dolph Ziggler be right behind yeah. and get laid out. Just yeah. so it doesn't look like no one gives a fuck about Edge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just watching it. Corey Graves is who in the world could ever want to help Edge? You're like, what? <laughs> really? No one? He's got zero friends, huh? You got you got Dom getting pegged by Rhea and smacking around Edge with a chair. And you don't got mm-hmm. one person pegging Edge in the back? I don't believe it. 
but goes around, Can comes back somewhere. around the back. Okay. Twice. Someone's got to be coming up the rear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The old caboose. The old caboose. Choo choo. Choo choo. Even like a, a Bobby would have been made sense. Like he was there. Mm-hmm. He's a super good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just feel like you could have done a number of people. Let's look at the Raw roster. Fuck it. Why not? Raw roster. Current roster on Raw. This is a really weird website I ended up on. Not what I intended to, but here we go. Yeah, AJ Styles would have made sense. Uh, Hold on. Here we go. Uh, Street Profits are still technically on the Raw roster, which is interesting. They could have absolutely come out. Uh, you got Bobby Lashley. There's not a lot of baby faces. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I would say Ziggler is in that storyline, like we said. Not a lot of baby faces. It's crazy, dude. There's no baby faces on this roster. You got Gable Steveson, but who knows what's going on with him? You couldn't have Gargano come out. What's funny too is I was gonna mention Gable Stevenson earlier when we were talking about Chad Gable. I'm like, wait, whatever happened to him? Like. You know, I understand he's not ready for the main roster, but yeah, I think of the think of the pop he would have got if he would have ran out there during that. Yeah, like oh dude. shit, we forgot about this guy. Dude, there's almost no baby faces on Raw. This is insane. Let me read you this this roster. You have AJ that's, Styles. That's that's why they no one helped him. That's they why no one. he's the only baby. <laughs> it face. Makes sense now. Yeah, this is crazy, dude. <laughs> Hold on, I got this roster up in front of me. You got AJ Styles. It says Adam Pierce, but he's not an active wrestler, right? You had Akira Tozawa. I mean, maybe. I'm missing. Yeah, Where's maybe. Our you got <laughs> Angelo Dawkins. Theory's not a baby face. Bobby Lashley, who we just talked about, should have. Byron Saxon's commentary. I don't know why he's on the roster page. Uh, Cedric Alexander. Who knows what his standing is in this moment? And he wouldn't have made sense necessarily in there. Maybe uh, Gable. I thought Gable's a SmackDown dude. This roster cannot be right. I'm going to a different website. I'm, this is bullshit. Where's the WWE one? Uh, let me see. All right, here we go. Champions, Roman. Here we go. NXT. Where's Bro? What the fuck? Where's this? I'm changing it over. But I'll tell you right now, there's not a lot. So you got AJ Styles, Tazawa, Theory. Dawkins got Lashley, Cedric, Gable. Dude, Gable's not on Raw. Oh yeah, I guess he was. He had that match with Johnny. Why were Why were they on SmackDown? This brand split's not holding up very well. No, it's not. It's- uh, Gable's got his ass kicked, so he can't come out. You got Cody Rhodes. He doesn't even have a boob, so he's out. Uh, Commander Aziz was a bad guy last time we saw him, but we haven't seen him in a long time. Uh, Damian Priest was in there. You got Zig that we just mentioned. Uh, Mysterio, Edge, Ezekiel, who's in the hospital last time we checked. Uh, Balor. Kevin Owens could have come out, but he's doing his own thing. Um, Logan Paul doesn't really count. I don't know why he's on here. Riddle got his ass kicked earlier. Ford. Mr. McMahon is on their roster for Raw. How crazy is that? Yeah. Uh, And this is the WWE.com one. Uh, You got Mustafa Ali, maybe... You know, um, you got MVP, almost Otis, 
our truth and Randy Orton. So maybe an our truth could come out because they might have history, but that's how that's how's that going to go? Randy Orton's still injured. Reggie's on here, which is crazy. I thought he got released a year ago. Uh, yeah. Mysterio's the one in there who got his ass kicked. You got Robert Roode, who's a bad guy. Rollins, bad guy. Yeah, Shelton yeah. Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin, I think, was a bad guy last time we saw him. Uh, He's in the same boat as uh, Cedric Alexander. As Alexander, yeah. yeah. Uh, T-Bar, I think he's a bad guy. Uh, Miz, Chunga, well, this... and Veer. That's the whole roster, dude. Like, good guys? I forget about Veer. Yeah. For good guys, you have AJ. I would count Tazawa. You got Dawkins. You got Lashley. Cody Rhodes. Uh, Ezekiel. But when you when you look at the Kevin Owens um, riddle, and truly, like is KO considered a face? Yeah, he's definitely a baby face, dude. He just fucking told Austin Theory to go jam that briefcase so far up his ass he turns into yeah. Pulp Fiction, you know. But um, but when you look at the roster and who even was available that aren't in another storyline or had a match already. Like, that's like, yeah, there's like no one. There's like no one. That's insane. We see, and when you said T-Bar, damn, that would have been cool if he came back as Dominic Dijakovic here. Mm -hmm. That would have been great. You know, just like, oh shit. With Priest. Priest, yeah. Priest looks like he's seen a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been cool. Oh, I know this guy. Yeah. Although I do think that um, probably more likely to see T-Bar and Maximale models as a uh, T-Bar A. Um, I think that's everything, dude. I think we've I think we've figured it all out. I think we've booked everything perfectly. I think we've been right about everything every time, and I think that uh, I think we nailed it. Yeah, just another episode one. Just another episode one. Just out here killing the game, you know. Uh-huh. Dude, Kevin Patrick should have come out and helped Edge. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been funny if Byron stepped in. That would have been cool and interesting, especially because we know that he can take a bump. If Byron was just all like, someone come out here and help. And Corey was all like, who can? And Byron's like, that's it, I will. Runs out there and just fuck gets laid out and won. Yeah. It's all like, all right, well, there you go, Byron. Yeah, of course. Stupid. That's why you're behind the desk. Yeah. You would have just had Corey just be like, that was satisfying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think I could love Judgment Day anymore, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that would been really funny. New favorite faction. Yeah. I'm gonna try and join Judgment Day now. I've been trying to get into Max Male models, but I think I'm I'm gonna switch it over. <laughs> right? Yeah. I put in my application for Judgment Day. Yeah. Uh, you ready for last call? No, but I guess. Yeah, might as well. Might as well. Uh, guys, tune in tomorrow night. Uh, me, Miss Amanda Jane, and I don't know. Maybe I'll see if somebody wants to come and hang out and have a drink with us. Talk all things NXT and AEW. As we watch the fall of the Empire and the rise of the new NXT, Kev, they teased a new graphic for NXT. We're going to NXT 3.0, which I think is going to be AEW 2.0, which is more or less 
the black and gold and silver and amber and grays in between. Uh, we're going to talk all about it tomorrow night as we talk about our new NXT North American champion, Solo Sokoa. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what else happened. I got to watch it. I don't think I watched all of it. But all that stuff happened, and we're going to talk about it tomorrow night on a brand new episode one here in the dive bar of the IWC. Guys, thank you for coming through and being our drinking buddy here on Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one. I'm at Ref Marsh. We're at WOTR of the show. And that is Kevlar on the Rocks with an X. And this is Last Call. Cheers. or buy us a drink by following and putting the i and subscribe on twitch or subscribe and review our podcast on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us cheers i would never have a drink with